Pete, and I think you mostly know me this morning. If you're a visitor, then welcome, but I think I recognize most of you. We have quite a few people away this week, um, although actually there's still a good number of you. Um, hope you're praying for Jay. He's having a really hard weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, a terrible weekend. He said he's going to need a vacation to recover from his vacation. Um, something about chasing loads of uh, little kids around Disney World. He's, uh, he's having some fun, but he's having some challenges too. Uh, do pray for him. And what a wonderful pastor we have, huh? We all agree with that. Well, um, welcome to the family gathering. We call this a family gathering now, because it seemed like it works with the series. We'll come to that in a moment. And uh, this is the last in our series called Identity and Rhythm. You saw the thing behind you, so Identity and Rhythm. How's it going? You're learning lots? Nobody's learning anything. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to recap it all for you now, every single piece. So, good luck with that. Um, the, uh, next week we start a new series though, and uh, that's going to be called Story Formed. So uh, you saw a little bit about that. You may have seen on Vimeo the, uh, the video as well. That's, uh, that's quite good. And uh, the, the story formed uh, series is a series of stories which is going to run from now until Christmas. And uh, it's, I'm not sure which stories. Uh, Jay hasn't told me yet, but I can guess what some of them probably are. And we're going to look at the story of God from, uh, from now through, uh, through uh, the end of the year and understand what God is doing amongst us, what he has done, and what he will do. And I'm looking forward to that. I hope you're looking forward to that. I think it'll be a good, a good change for us all. Yeah, it's good. So last week, uh, we, talk, we started to talk about rhythms of life. And uh, prior to that, we talked about our, uh, the gospel, first of all, the power and the purpose of the gospel. You may remember that. It was a seven-week series. Last three weeks, we've been talking about, or three weeks before that, we've been talking about our identity in Christ. Do you remember what our identity is, the three things? Family, servant, missionary. And you're all doing those three things, aren't you? Good. <laughs> it's been quite a challenge, and I think uh, you'll, you'll hear a bit more about it later, but for me it's been quite a challenge to, to look at this whole series and to try and reflect on our various identities in Christ and how that uh, comes out in the way that we should live. And uh, it's been quite uh, fundamental, quite foundational. So uh, we'll talk about that shortly. We had three rhythms last week, three rhythms of life we talked about. Do you remember what they were? Story formed. Listen. Good. <laughs> and the third one? Bless, I heard. Very good. Story formed, listen, and bless. Um, you need to get with the rhythms. Come on. And, uh, and this week, we have three more. Celebrate, eat, and recreate, or recreate. I know. You have the same reaction as me. When I looked at them, I said to Jay, you want me to preach on What? <laughs> We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll see what happens. The call to us 
The call to us is to saturate our normal, normal rhythms of life with what we call gospel intentionality. And I'm only going to say that one more time in this, in this message. Gospel intentionality. That was two more times now. Um, it's not about doing more stuff. It's about us reorienting the things that we do and doing them differently. The mantra was ordinary people living extraordinary lives by the power and the purpose of the gospel. So, I want to step back, step back a bit first and, and just give you a kind of a overview of, of my position in this and maybe be a little bit honest with where we are. The last few weeks have been packed with stuff. Um, I don't know if you noticed that. Certainly when I reflect on the things that Jay has been through, it's been absolutely packed with stuff. And it's important stuff too. And it's, from, from many of your perspectives, things that you've been hearing over um, the, the course of the series, but it's been just stuff that uh, we've been discussing together, um, with Jay at least, uh, for many months. And it's quite a foundational change to the way that we're thinking in Cultivate. So it's quite a challenge. And it, how many of you already feel overloaded, overwhelmed, worn out, overstressed? Well, I've got a few hands now. Overstressed. Um, Too tired to put your hand up. And now, and now more demands, the demands of, of gospel living. That, that's, that's quite a lot, isn't it? So I'm going to let you into a little secret. Um, I'm a cave dweller by nature. Did you know that? Okay. <laughs> I sometimes joke with Fiona. I've had enough, too much stress, too many demands on my time, I'm going to go and live in a cave. I'm going to go and live in a cave. Uh, I want to be a hermit, you know, with no troubles, just push the world away and it will be fine. I can see some heads nodding, I think some other of you are going to join me. Um, my cave would be no ordinary cave though. I'm thinking electricity, lazy boy chair. Um, internet, broadband internet is going to be uh, going to be important. TV, uh, meals provided. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're 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 all really wanting to join me in this cave now, aren't you? I can tell. Um, I did stay in a cave once. Uh, there's a place in Australia, an old mining town called. Uh, it's in the outback. It's called Cooper Pedy. Cooper Pedy, I don't know if you've any, any of you have been there. We were with friends about 10 years ago, and uh, it's, it's really hot there. It's scrub, it's desert, it's mining, horrible place. Um, people took to living in caves, really. Um, under the rock, temperatures are much more even. Uh, it's, uh, it's certainly cooler. Uh, nowadays, of course, it's mostly tourists in Cooper Pedy, so they have cave hotels. There you go. It's already there for you. Not bad, is it? What do you think? <laughs> Comfortable, cool. Uh, just don't bang your head on the walls. Uh, it's not. It's not sheetrock. It's real rock. <laughs> you can be walking straight past it, and suddenly. <laughs> So, yeah, you have to be careful. But it, 
it's uh, it's an amazing place. Cooper Cooper Pedy actually has an underground church too, a cave church, a church in a cave. So it's an amazing place. So I'm a cave dweller by nature, and I think you know some of you are too. When the demands of life are too much, hiding seems an attractive option, doesn't it? Contrary to that, though, to my desire to hide away, go back in there now and just talk from a distance, I want to live in godly community. I want to live in a family of believers living the gospel, striving to do God's will, seeing God at work amongst us, serving God and seeing lives changed. And, you know, that's not just a wish, that's a deep desire. It's been in me for many years. You know, my spirit leaps when I think of this. My soul longs for that type of community, for that godly community. But how? How does it happen? So, for a cave dweller, it kind of seems daunting. How to get life to meet life. You know, how to, how to do this without being overwhelmed. And then we have Jay's new series. Not only a family of believers, but also servants and missionaries and to be sent to a specific group of people and to have an impact and to know their story and to learn their story, to know our story, to listen, to bless. I feel myself asking, when is go hide in a cave going to be a rhythm? We need to be clear, though. What we've heard in the last few weeks, it is transforming. It's the transforming direction for us at Cultivate. I want you to be clear about that. It's not just some new idea for a sermon series, though it's interesting in that regard. It's foundational. We can't underestimate it. This is really important to us. Uh, It's what most of us are going to be doing going forward as a body of believers that are called Cultivate. And it's not, tra- not a traditional direction. Uh, a successful church in recent times might hire a good preacher. Maybe we did that. <laughs> Grow in numbers. Um, fill the building. Build a bigger building. <laughs> Start more ministries. Get more people. Grow some more. Build a bigger building. Um, become a mega church. Have a satellite of churches. It's really not like that. It's different. It's not that approach. It's community-based, and it's life on life, and it's organic. It grows community by community and cell by cell. That's the way it works. And it doesn't only reach out to those people that want to come into the building and listen. And you've all done that, and that's good. But there are people who will never enter these doors. They're never going to come through those doors. They're just never going to do that. And it, it takes the gospel to them. It, it allows us to be in their lives, to speak into their lives, and to earn the right to speak. So it doesn't grow, it transforms communities. And that's really very fundamental for us. We've been cultivating now for, what, a year and, year and nine months, isn't it, ish? Uh, and I guess God doesn't want us to slow down and get comfortable. It's, it's, a, it's a different view. 
So how are we going to do this? How are we going to live our identity without being overwhelmed? Well, I'm sure the Holy Spirit uh, has uh, the best answer for us in that, but one help is certainly to consider the rhythms of life and to figure out how they can demonstrate our identity, our identity in God, without adding, without creating new activity to accomplish what God wants within the framework of life and for us to quit leading multiple lives at work, at play, at home, and everywhere else. And the thing for me, and hopefully for you, is I'm actually willing to give up my cave dream. It's going to be worth it if we let God, if we're all in to let God take us where he wants us to go. So we need to get into community, we need to commit to each other and to be what God wants us to be. So we have three rhythms of life to look at this morning. And uh, I don't know if there are only six. We did three last week, so three plus three is six. Maybe there are more. I don't think hiding in a cave or watching TV has ever been one of them, unfortunately. But there are perhaps others that will come to mind as you consider how your life is structured and how the lives of those around you are structured. But the first rhythm we're going to touch on this week is called Celebrate. If you have your notes in the uh, in the in the uh, bulletins, <coughs> excuse me, it, it lets you fill in the blanks. So this is your good chance to fill in the blanks because the answer's on the board. Okay, <laughs> it says teacher. Excuse me. Watch closely, very closely. Englishman celebrating. Did you see it? <laughs> no, it was a really good choice for me, this message, wasn't it? Don't you think? <laughs> what do we celebrate? What do we celebrate? Birthdays. Yep, birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas, Hi, Thanksgiving, I heard. Homecomings, <laughs> good one, yep. World Championships. World Championships. <laughs> Easter also as well. Wow, very good, yep. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't ask questions. All right. What is worship? Celebration, isn't it? Isn't, isn't worship celebration of God? What does the world around us celebrate? Well, you've picked most of them, I think, there. Uh, including Friday. Nobody celebrates Mondays then. No? Okay. But in those, do you see opportunities to connect? Can you already see these are rhythms of life, which are opportunities to connect? No, I mean, that's a challenge to me, because... I don't like to celebrate, I, it's better to go hide. But it's a real opportunity to connect. Now if we truly understand the gospel, shouldn't we be the most celebratory people on earth? I think we should. We should celebrate our identity in Christ as forgiven sinners 
reconciled to our Creator and to our Heavenly Father. We should be celebratory. In uh, Luke chapter 19, we have the, uh, the, the episode of Jesus coming into Jerusalem just before the Passover, the week of the, uh, of the crucifixion. It says, uh, when he came near the, the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out. I don't think he was joking. <laughs> Such is the demand for celebration when we consider the work of God and the work of God through Jesus. That if we don't, the stones will cry out. We have to be those that celebrate. And it's not the standard image of the church, is it? It's not uh, what we're known for normally. Celebrate. We have the good news. We need to celebrate more. Another important aspect of celebration is to remember. To remember. God regularly called his people to celebrate. You remember the feasts, the parties if you like he didn't want them to forget his grace so in fact he structured a number of feasts throughout the year the Jewish calendar year that enabled his people to come and remember and celebrate together what God was doing or had done in their midst when uh, when we meet together like this we have the table in front of us, which we'll get to later. It's a celebration. So celebration is an important rhythm of life, and it's a natural way to connect with people, and it's a vital part of community, and we need to consider how that works for us. And it's not only worship or spiritual celebration, as we said, but there are some normal things of life. The people that God has sent us to are celebrating. And maybe they're celebrating birthdays and anniversaries and so on, as you say. And in those celebrations, we can look for ways to serve and to bring, let's call it gospel light, into those celebrations. Gospel light. So, um, perhaps at a birthday party, rather than making the focus of our celebration the person themselves, we can help people understand God's story by celebrating the grace of God in their lives, the blessings he's brought them, the gifts that God has given them, the work that God has done through them. We can do that. So, you go to Aunt Maud's birthday party, you know Aunt Maud, um, you can celebrate how God has been present in Aunt Maud's life. You can celebrate the grace of God that has brought Aunt Maud through her illness. You can celebrate the support that God has allowed it to be to others. You see that? You can transform the nature of the celebration in the way that you think, in the gospel way that you think, by bringing a different light, by bringing God into the situation. So, celebration is an important rhythm of life that creates connection points and it demonstrates our identity in Christ. That's number one. 
Number two, which actually connects with this real well, is eat. <laughs> yeah, you can't eat yet. You have to fill in the blanks on the piece of paper. So is there anyone here who doesn't eat? Where do we find eating in the Bible? We already talked about some. Eating in the Bible. Everywhere is one good answer. The Last Supper, yeah? Feeding of the 5,000. What was that over there? They were eating, they were eating a meal, the fish, yeah? The wedding in Cana, you're thinking, aren't you? The apple. You're thinking the apple. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Passover. Or Passover. The, the manna in the wilderness. Yeah. Well, there's a lot, aren't there? You, you, you didn't mention the ones I talked to earlier, which is all the feasts in Leviticus that God had, uh, had ordained needed to be followed. Is that in the Bible? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We can do that anyway. <laughs> what are we going to do when I finally stop talking? Ah, eat. <laughs> so eating is pretty fundamental rhythm of life, isn't it? We are not solar powered. Um, or maybe there are some very thin and highly tanned females that think they're solar powered, but we're not solar powered. We all have to eat. Um, and it reminds us of our dependency on something outside of ourselves. Every time we eat, probably three times a day for you folks, for all, for all of us, we affirm that we have a dependence on an external force. To be hungry is not pleasant. So we affirm our need for this external thing. And it also brings to us a, a oneness and a friendship. Do you know that eating with someone brings a bigger connection than just meeting with them? You notice that? You know, a business meeting might, uh, might finish by having a meal. It, it somehow solidifies the arrangement. Um, we do the same. You know, having somebody around for a meal is more than just meeting them. So meals are a daily reminder of our common need for God and his faithfulness. And they're also a very, very important connection point for us. Think back to Adam and Eve for a moment. Uh, in the garden. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And I think it's interesting that you see the word eat, I think it's three times in that passage. God didn't say don't, here's a special area in the garden over here. Don't go there. Right? He didn't say, here's a, here's a thing over here. Don't, don't touch it. He said, don't eat. That was his command. So it, it's somehow very fundamental, this don't eat, the instruction that he gave. And what Adam and Eve did was they chose to eat unto themselves out of unbelief and rebellion. Unto themselves. They ate something which was for them, which God had told them not to eat of. 
So, I think God has likewise given every one of us in every part of the world a regular reminder of their need and an opportunity to eat unto themselves in unbelief and rebellion or unto God with thanksgiving. So we need to think about that. What does it mean to eat unto God and not unto ourselves even when we are eating? And I don't mean that that we should say grace at every meal. I don't think that's really what I mean here. It's more than that because eating thankfully in however that whatever that means to you eating thankfully is letting it be a symbol of God's of the grace of God in all things. So not just food but in job and health in family. It communicates the gospel. It communicates our dependence on him and the blessings that uh, he brings to us. And eating is a big thing for cultivate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've we've uh, we've understood something of what it means to build community through eating. I did try and get John to participate with me in this message because I thought he might be better at it. Um, but he's not here this week, so he couldn't. There we go. Uh, joy and celebration through eating. Thank God for taste. Yeah. <laughs> Can you? Kenny's having a great time over here. <laughs> You're going to need to break now for some, uh, you know, a, a snack. Yeah, I thought that was right, yeah. So when we eat together, we commune together over our common need, over God's provision, and we proclaim the gospel to each other. We need to eat together regularly as a loving community of believers communing around the work of Christ. You know, we live in a broken culture. In our culture, communities are broken. And eating is also broken. We spend far too many meals grabbing something on our own, eating while working, eating while watching TV. Our enemy wants this. He wants to take a basic rhythm of life that can have gospel identity and he wants to make it mundane and neglected. That's what he wants to do. He makes us think we don't have the time. We don't eat together enough, do we? We we have to give this message to John when he comes back. We'll have another community meal soon, I'm sure. But also, not just as a a group uh, together, as as a fellowship together, but also in our life groups. We should be sharing meals in life groups. We should be breaking bread together in life groups. We should be inviting others in to eat with us, to get to know them, that they can understand the community that we have and understand what God is doing in our midst. Jesus was called the friend of sinners. Remember why? He ate with them. (laughs) He ate with dirty, unreligious, socially unacceptable people. So the, so the table, a meal, is one of the most powerful displays of God's love and his acceptance of us as sinners. So if we're planning a meal, you know, maybe it's Thanksgiving, who are we inviting? Let's think about that. All right. Lastly, move on to the third one, the third rhythm. Recreate 
or recreate or sometimes we say play um, I'll, this, this is a difficult one I'll take some thought anyway what it says is we take time to rest play create and restore beauty in ways that reflect God and on the work and the work of the gospel to others we take time to rest play create and restore beauty in ways that reflect God and the work of the gospel to others. In Genesis, we have the account of creation when God brought everything into being. What happened on the seventh day? He rested. That was an easy one, wasn't it? Why did God rest? Thank you, Kenny. Why did God rest? Was it because he was tired? See, you have the verse up there, God blessed, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because, of it, because on it he rested from all the work he had done. Sorry, from all the work of creating that he had done. Why did he rest? As an example would be good, Yeah. He wasn't recovering from tiredness. He, he, he ceased from his labor to be satisfied, to enjoy what he had done. This is rest. I'm not good at this, just being honest. Do you take time at all to rest and ponder what God has done, to recognize the beauty of creation? Perhaps stroll along the shore or marvel at the color of autumn, fall. Watch birds play in the trees. Watch the fireflies dance at night and wonder when the next flash will be. I was walking the dog the other day. I forgot to bring my feather. I have a feather down there. Never mind. I was walking the dog and I just saw on the ground this feather, a very pretty feather. I just looked at it, and I was amazed. It's so beautiful. I don't know, maybe it came from a turkey or something. It was a very, very beautiful feather. And then I'm thinking, my dog is never going to perceive this. I don't think animals perceive beauty. Do you think they do? As far as I can figure out, animals don't perceive beauty. We do. It's just us. We perceive beauty. We recognize the beauty of creation. We, one of my favorite places on earth is, is the beach in uh, Pacific Grove, California. And we've been there for a long while now. It's not for swimming, it's not for sunbathing. It's just to watch the Pacific Ocean hit those rocks and burst tens of feet in the air. To see the sea turn turquoise from the mixture of the foam and the blue is just incredible. The pounding of the rocks does something for me. I don't know what it is. I, perhaps I have a need to pound things. Um, and just to watch closely, and, and a scene will change in front of your eyes as you see more of what's going on, and you start to see things like the otters swimming amongst the seaweed. You don't notice them until you look closely, and then there they are. And then you see an otter laying on its back with a shell on a rock. It actually knows how to use them. 
and it bangs the rock onto the shell to get at what's inside. And the birds flying this far above the water, following the waves in flocks. It's an incredible sight. It's a sight to behold, and it's a sight to share. And to rest in wonder at what God has made. You see how sharing that is a rhythm which can communicate God? Sharing the beauty of what is around? Some other person may perceive beauty and may not know God and may consider that there is no God, but they won't be able to not perceive the beauty. It just demonstrates the gospel to them. So we were created in God's image and we were made to joyfully create and rest as well. We need to regularly take time to rest, to play, to create, to restore beauty in ways that reflect what God is like to our community. And our rest is a demonstration. God has accomplished things for us. It's a result of the gospel, isn't it? A demonstration to the world not at rest of the gospel. Recreate can also mean play, recreation. Yeah? So, uh, playing together with folk is a great way of connecting. You know, from a round of golf to less expensive pastimes, like uh, playing a ball game together, kicking a soccer ball. Playing together is a rhythm of life and an important connection. And we can also create beauty. We can bring order and improvement to something that the world has passed over and will give it up. But one good example of that is a commitment that the Running Mead Life Group has made recently, which is, to, is starting a project to care for an abandoned house for the good of their neighborhood. So the house sits there and nobody cares. But now somebody will care. It creates beauty when no one cares. So our resting, our creating, working, playing, all proclaim that God is creator, sustainer, and provider, and they connect and they communicate the gospel. Excuse me. So we need to consider how to do that, how to celebrate, eat, and re recreate or recreate or play and ask God to show us how we can live those rhythms to reflect him and be his sent ones to those around us. And as we do that, let's be clear that it's not just another add-on to our busy lives or another responsibility. It's, it's not something we have to fulfill in our own strength. It's God's story, and he is doing a work in us and through us through his grace and his power. And we are different, and we will be different. I'm an alien, as, as you know, a resident alien. Um, maybe a cave-dwelling alien, I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> but the thing is, we, we are not of this earth. We are of another place. The world is the kingdom of, me of men. It's not a taste of heaven. We are a foretaste of heaven to the world. So we're called to live our lives and live out the rhythms of life with a different perspective. 
with our identity driving our activity and letting God take us where he wants us to go. And what God wants to accomplish amongst us is not natural. It's supernatural. Yeah? And it's so easy for us to forget that as we, as we listen of the ways that we need to change our behaviors. It is supernatural, and he accomplishes it, not us. We are not called to live the best lives, but to live the lives of another country, a better country, a heavenly one. We are not of this world. So we need to approach every rhythm of life with that godly perspective. And yes, we're going to be different. And we're going to have a different perspective. I was kind of led to a few verses that I wanted to share with you. I don't think there's time for them all. But uh, we're going to look at one in 1 Peter 2, 9. 1 Peter 2 says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let that sink into you. This is what God has made you and what God has said about you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It goes on, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You bring a message. The rhythms and the ways of life they bring a message. They show the work he has done. They show that he is sufficient, that they are not of this world. And you bring a message of gospel power. You're not the good people of earth. You are the people of God. You know, I, I see my citizenship in you guys. I, I, you know, I joke that I'm an alien, but really... I see my citizenship in you folk because when we're, when we're together, he shows up. God shows up. God's people are really together. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. We believe in the priesthood of all believers here. We don't believe that there is one or two that are anointed to... to uh, to do everything in the church we believe in the priesthood of all believers that we all have that role in the world as priests we have access to the throne of grace to the throne of God as priests we intercede we stand in the gap for those that are estranged from the heavenly father we are we intercede for them we bring reconciliation between God and man we bring God to those that don't know God. That is our role as priests, as a royal priesthood. We've been using this phrase, gospel intentionality, over the last few weeks. You've been hearing it, haven't you? I, I told you I was trying to avoid using it today. 
gospel intentionality. The phrase gospel intentionality conveys to me the wrong thing. It makes me think that I have to try harder. And I can do that, but then that has me headed back to my cave. You too, perhaps. Two weeks ago, you may, have, uh, you may recall that Jay explained to us about the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And he talked about the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Do you remember that? And it was, uh, that it was the nearest thing to the Holy of, where the Holy of Holies used to be. And how it is worshipped. The inner sanctuary in the temple where God dwelt. And he explained to us the privilege that we have the miracle of God dwelling in us. That he's no longer in the Holy of Holies. That the curtain was torn. That God dwells in us. That's a miracle and a privilege. And it makes us different. But I want to add something as well, and it's, it's so important to me. There's one particular verse in Ephesians that conveys a, a profound truth, I believe. And it says, In him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Read that again. You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So if we belong to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in each of us. But collectively, together, God is doing even more. We collectively are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And that's what my soul longs for. That's the passion I feel deep inside. That we become together a dwelling place of God, a dwelling place of beauty and of grace and of power and of purpose. Where God is not just spoken about, but where God reigns in power and accomplishes his purposes. Our role is is to be, to be his people, to be full of his spirit, of worship and praise, and to let him work around us, in us, through us. And when we are truly transformed into his dwelling place, it will be more than we can possibly imagine. So this is alien. This is supernatural, yeah? Do you see it? Do you see it? This is what my spirit longs for. So God does it. This doesn't happen in a cave. We follow him. We need to be authentic, vulnerable. It's not us. We have the compassion of God. We are his priests. We are his chosen people. So let's celebrate. Let's eat. Let's rejoice in what God is doing, what he's calling us to do. And let's ask him to do his work and to make us his dwelling place. Let's pray. Lord, we we just want to watch in awe as you do your work amongst us, Lord, and we thank you for so much that we have seen over these last months um, as you have brought us together as your people and as you've taught us more and more and as you led us and, and led Jay to lead us in ways that we hadn't imagined in the past. 
We thank you, Lord, for the challenge of these uh, last few weeks. And we ask, Lord, that you would do that work in us. That we wouldn't be the ones that are trying to do it for ourselves, Lord, but you would do that work in us. That you would come by your Spirit. That you would fill us. That you would change us. We ask, Lord, that if there's any here today that don't know your spirit living within them, Lord, that, that you would help them come to that place to find you. That even in this, this moment, this morning, you would touch them and allow them to find you, Lord. Thank you. And Lord, lead us forward. Teach us the dependence on your spirit and teach us to be and to live your chosen people as a royal priesthood as a holy nation and be built together to become your dwelling place your kingdom come lord your will be done in the name of jesus amen